Welcome to a special presentation of Nebraska Farmcast, a podcast with essential information for essential decisions from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The Nebraska Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics is dedicated to providing timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications for Nebraska agricultural decision makers. Each week, our team brings you essential information for your essential decisions in live webinars covering a diverse array of farm and ranch management topics presented by experts from the university, from across the state, and from around the country. This series of podcasts offers audio from these webinars so you can learn on the go. To find a complete archive of all webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more resources, visit the Farm and Ranch Management website at farm.unl.edu. All right, good morning everyone uh, out west and uh, just at the afternoon on the east side of Nebraska. Um, hello and thanks for joining the webinar. Um, my name is Corey Walters and I'm an associate professor in the Department of Agricultural Economics here at the University of Nebraska. This is part of a weekly series of webinars produced by our Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team. Find a complete schedule of, and past recordings at farm.unl.edu. The Nebraska Rural Response Hotline remains a great resource for ag professionals across the state, providing mental health counseling, information regarding legal assistance, financial clinics, mediation, and more. The hotline's toll-free number is 1-800-464-0258. We also have a wealth of resources related to stress and wellness at ruralwellness.unl.edu. Wheat is just emerging from dormancy and growers are getting their first look at how the crop fared through the winter months. Wheat fields planted behind fallow emerged in the fall and have established well. Depleted soil, water, and dry conditions have slowed the wheat emergence in fields that have been con continuously cropped. To discuss more about the state and economic viability of winter wheat, we have a number of guests from different disciplines joining us today. First, we have David Peterson, Area Claims Manager with Rural Community Insurance Services. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me, Corey. You bet. We also have with us Catherine Fields, an assistant professor in agronomy and horticulture here, here at UNL. Morning, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me today. Awesome. And I think uh, soon uh, we'll, we'll have Cody Creech, a dryland cropping systems, cropping specialist with Western uh, Nebraska Extension uh, here in, in a short time. So, so to begin with, uh, David, uh, please uh, give us your, what you see going on out there um, in, in uh, winter week. Well, the conditions are, are uh, uh, no big surprise. It's pretty dry. We've had some moisture this spring, um, not an abundance, but enough to at least give us some hope. Um, it started off dry, getting dry last summer. Uh, we had pretty decent moisture uh, in the spring of 2020. Um, and then throughout the summer, it just continued to spiral down as far as the amount of precip we were getting. Um, and then through the winter, it's been continuing to be dry. We did get pretty much over the, in my area, I've got actually uh, Northeast Colorado and uh, the panhandle of Nebraska, a little Southwest Nebraska. And uh, 
over my area, it's been pretty dry. Northeast Colorado, it was drier earlier than, than it was in the panhandle. Um, but we did get enough moisture last fall for most people to get their, get their wheat in the ground and get it up. Um, we are seeing some claims come in where the wheat didn't, didn't flourish, didn't come up real well, uh, spotty. Some of it's just has some bare spots. Some of it, uh, the wind was hard on it. We had a, had a windy winter. Um, so it just, it has not been, it has not been, uh, good wheat weather. And in some ways it's kind of amazing how good the wheat does look. Um, it's greened up with the moisture we've gotten. Um, it's not growing much because it's been so cool. But uh, when the, the temperatures will, will warm up, uh, at least they always have. So we just figure it'll do that again this year. Um, and the, the, wheat, the wheat has enough moisture now to pop. Whether it has enough to carry it very far is another matter. But for right now, uh, it's, uh, we've, we've, got, we've got hope that we can raise a crop. As far as the insurance side of it, um, I guess I, I can't get into specifics. You know, um, I can answer questions. Uh, my just the one piece of advice that I give to everybody is don't do anything. If you've got wheat that that you want to you want to tear up, that you want to go to another crop. Um, it doesn't look good. It's it's not not tillering, or it didn't come up last fall, or it died during the winter. Don't do anything until you've contacted your agent, turned in a notice of loss, and you have heard from your adjuster, and uh, allow your adjuster to to uh, give you the options that you have on what you can do with that crop. Uh, we don't want anybody going out and tearing up wheat and being out of compliance. So uh, don't, don't do anything before you hear from your adjuster. That's my advice. That's, uh, I guess that's all I can think for opening, Corey. Excellent, David, excellent. Uh, uh, we do have our first question uh, coming through when it go to either of us uh, from Marla. Uh, what? What concerns do you have? Do we have about uh, the recent very cold weather um, on on wheat? Uh, nothing right now. I, it, um, in in my part of the world, I don't. I, you know, I can't speak for for uh, other parts of the state. I know you know if you go back farther east, uh, their wheat's probably ahead of ours, but I doubt much until that wheat joint uh, gets into the joining stage or gets into the boot cold weather really isn't going to affect it. Um, in some ways, um, it's ad advantageous to have a cool April. If we have a very hot April uh, and the wheat really takes off, it outgrows itself and then we get those May freezes and that wheat's too far along to withstand that. Uh, and that's, that's where we get a lot of freeze damage. But this time of the year, April, we're not gonna see, not gonna see freeze damage. Might burn it down a little bit, um, turn the leaves a little brown, but it's not going to hurt the plant. And that's what we're seeing um, right now, at least in Link our fields in Lincoln, as well as our research fields a little bit farther north in Mead. 
Um, we aren't seeing our plots at a stage where there's likely to be a whole lot of damage due to these cold temps. Um, and, and I expect that's more or less the same through most of Eastern Nebraska. Awesome. Uh, David, question from me to you. Uh, the, the, in, in wheat, the quality losses uh, adjustments have been a, a contention point in the past. Uh, uh, is there any, any new updates on any of that, uh, that process? Um, you know, with falling numbers, any anything there to, to to report or discuss? No, nothing really has changed. Um, you know, the, the the charts that we use for for quality adjustment haven't changed. Um, falling numbers is not something that we typically get into in our in our part of the world. That's seems to be more uh, uh, where they get more moisture. So if you get up into the Dakotas and uh, Minnesota in that area, that you you see more of that uh, down here. Uh, I don't even know in the years that I've been in crop insurance, so I've ever seen a claim that had falling numbers um, in our area. Um, as far as insurance on wheat, um, of course, the the price discovery for the harvest price for revenue protection policies, uh, th those will come out that that discovery period is, uh, is in July. Um, and right now, uh, the way the prices are going, unless the bottom just drops out of it, I don't, don't really see that happening. Uh, the guarantee on wheat, when, when it was planted um, last fall, the guarantee on, on, on wheat was $4.98 a bushel. Right now, the July, um, the July board, Kansas City, is six dollars and seventy-four cents. So, uh, it uh, I guess before you go out and tear up your wheat, you might consider consider those prices. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, that means it's going to be a lot more work for for us and and. And when I say yes, I mean my adjusters, because uh, we're going to have a lot of revenue claims to work where people uh, don't have any production losses, but they will have will have revenue losses because of the difference in price. Um, you mean a, a revenue gain? Hold on. When so, okay. so the price is going to go up and you'll recalculate that liability. So the only time a loss would happen is if you, if you yield it out, you got to have a yield loss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I misspoke. Yeah. It would, it would, it would apply to, but I'm, I, what I'm thinking is that there are going to be a lot of production losses. Okay. So when okay. that, when that happens because of the drought, if we have production losses, it's going to, uh, it's going to create, create a lot more, um, uh, as far as uh, payments, I guess. Payments, yeah. Liability tremendously. Yeah, liability is going to go way up and each bushel loss will be worth a lot more. Um, and then, then we, we get to see the, that power of that uh, revenue uh, protection policy. Working. Yeah, if, if these prices keep going up, if they go to $7, for instance, um, I mean, that's a $2 swing. So if you have a, a 30, 30 bushel guarantee on your wheat, 
um, that's going to be $60 more above your, your original guarantee in, in revenue, which uh, is, is more than substantial, I guess. That's right. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big, uh, a big shift. Um, I'm going to stop my video because it says I, my internet's not doing too well. Um, that's a big shift and uh, uh, it can, can uh, move a lot of dollars around pretty fast. Uh, I got a question from uh, Brad in our department. Uh, if wheat's up nearly two bucks a bushel from insurance base price and, and corn and soybean prices are up substantially as well, how should producers revisit their he hedging plans uh, with insurance as a foundation? David, do you want to talk about that too? Or, or I, I can as well. Not, not even a little bit. Um, no, not, not at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't give advice. I, you know, I'm, okay. I'm not going to tell you how to hedge or do anything like now. I'm not, I'm not going to give a marketing advice uh, because I mean, that's not part of crop insurance. And uh, in my own case, I, I own a wheat farm, neighbor farms it and over the, over the years that I've farmed, um, I have proven myself to be the worst wheat marketer in Western Nebraska. So I'm, okay. I'm not going to go there. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll jump into it. Uh, so I would say whatever you were doing, David, uh, as a wheat marketer, you've done, you, you're okay because you're still here today. Uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, we oftentimes mess up our marketing, um, with, with, uh, uh, we messed that up with our goal with, with achieving goals and objectives. And if you're still still farming the following year, you survive those rare financially devastating years, you're doing the right thing. Um, if you're if you're missing the uh, the high in the wheat market, fine. you need to you need to you need to ensure yourself from the, the bad events. Um, there's in, in years like this when the prices are, are really volatile going up, um, you, you you have to enjoy, the, the process and and can't second guess selling something and then watching it keep going up. You know, you break your sales up, uh, you sell into it, um, and and you enjoy it. Uh, and you don't try to find the high. Uh, you'll you'll you won't find it. Um, and and you're going to meet your goals and objectives um, throughout the through for this year to get into next year. It's a heck of a lot better to be here than seeing you know low three dollar weed or something like that. Um, so I say well, it's a good I, I've often thought about, and uh, we, and Brad, we should always. Go ahead, David. I was just saying, I, um, I've thought at times about selling my own marketing service because when I sell my wheat, that's usually the trigger for it to move higher. So, um, so I was thinking that maybe that would be, uh, marketable. Yeah, I've heard that uh, from a few folks. No one's, uh, I haven't seen anyone uh, jump on, on selling those strategies. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and, and also remember uh, in, in these markets, uh, the, these, these markets only reflect the active buyers and sellers. So if you're a, if you're a wheat grower out in Western Nebraska and you're, you're walking through this, this, uh, these weather conditions and everything going on, um, probably not, not too enthusiastic selling uh uh watching this weather so so uh maybe that's what's also holding this thing up is or allowing it to go up is there's there's not a lot of selling um 
uh, from from actual hedgers on this thing. Uh, the stuff I've read, there's a lot of a lot of outside money in this thing, so um, it's it's pretty pretty cool, uh, pretty fun time to be in it too. Um, uh, with that, let's uh, let's move over to, to Catherine on the the wheat breeding uh, genetics. Uh, you know all this stuff that uh, takes a little time to get into uh, uh, the market, but you know really lays down the the foundation of of uh, you know our uh, of growing wheat. Um, and and is uh, if we don't have a good foundation, then uh, man things get bad ugly. So, Catherine, uh, welcome to UNL, and uh, yeah, glad you're here with us today. Well, thanks, Corey. Uh, as as you mentioned, I am the new small grains breeder for the University of Nebraska. I am um, succeeding our longtime breeder, Steve Benzinger, who's been here for 35 years, has done a outstanding job uh, producing high yielding, high quality wheats for Nebraska. And so I'm, I'm really very excited to uh, continue his legacy here. Uh, I was a grad student in the program and uh, did my PhD work looking at nitrogen use efficiency uh, phenotyping methods, trying to identify ways that we can um, develop wheats to more easily to use their the fertilizer we apply um, much more efficiently. Um, that in itself is going to help the farmer's bottom line. Um, and so now that I'm taking over the program, um, we're really looking at what are the new tools, the new methodologies that we can use in uh, wheat breeding to really continue to deliver that product to our producers. Uh, the really unique thing about Nebraska is we have um, such a wide range of environments that we have to breed wheat for. So we have the higher rainfall areas in eastern Nebraska. And then, you know, moving west, we lose rainfall um, as we keep moving west. So, so we really need to consider different things as we um, breed varieties for these areas. And every once in a while, we do find wheats that can perform well across Nebraska. But more often, what we find are things that are kind of regionally adapted. Awesome. Can uh, uh, you want to go further into uh, where, you know, where, where you see your program going? Uh, uh, just, you, you, it's, that's almost like an interview question. I'm not trying yeah. to, interview question, but, but uh, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, 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 private companies, you know, Westbread and stuff. And uh, uh, you got the, you got the public side. Uh, give us maybe some insights into that uh, and, and how to navigate these, these changing waters um, and, and all that sort of, sort of stuff. Uh. Yeah, so so we are really looking at some major changes in or, or major new challenges in our wheat growing areas. And one of the big things that um, my program is really going to be focusing on for Western Nebraska is breeding for sawfly resistance. Um, there has been a little bit of a sawfly breeding program going, but we really see the need to ramp that up and um, put a lot of focus on that for our panhandle region. So uh, what we're looking at there is working with the solid stem varieties and they have a, um, 
a little bit of a bad wrap, I would say, in that um, they're viewed as lower yielding. And yeah, there is a little bit of a yield penalty because that trait isn't, uh, we haven't done as much breeding for it. So when we bring in germplasm with that trait, it is not as adapted to Nebraska growing conditions as we need. Uh, so we're going to spend a lot of time working for um, solid and semi-solid uh, traits, uh, making sure that they maintain that yield and we get that soft fly resistance. Uh, for the other side of the state, we we be, with a little more uh, rainfall, we really have to consider the disease packages that we're breeding for. Um, so we really focus a lot on the, um, the, the rust, leaf rust and stripe rust are the big things. Our germplasm has a lot of stem rust resistance. Um, so we don't see a lot of stem rust in the US, which is great and we wanna keep it that way. Um, we have been dealing with a lot more challenges from stripe rust, as well as um, we're seeing more issues with fusarium head blight. Um, so that is a real quality problem. Um, the, the fungus produces a vomitoxin that can be in the grain. Um, so, so one of the high priorities for Eastern Nebraska is really working on that um, fusarium head blight resistance. But, you know, considering all of the state, one of our main goals is really to leverage our new um, genetic tools as well as improve statistical tools to help us leverage that um, environmental variation that we see and help make better decisions um, within the breeding program to really produce wheats for those regions. Awesome, and, and uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna add all that in there and increase yields by 20, 30 percent. You know, uh, a girl can dream. <laughs> That's right. You never know what you find. Uh, yep, yep. Uh, we're we're really looking forward to getting out there this season, um, getting out to the field days, and and seeing how lines are, are doing throughout the state. Awesome. So everyone uh, will have a chance to meet you and interact more with you at uh, at the field days. Yep, yep. I will be out. Awesome. Uh, we do got a question uh, here from Sandra Wood uh, to you, Catherine. Uh, uh, what what breeds do you recommend for Box Butte County? All right, Sandra. So I, I'm going to beg a little bit of ignorance here because I've been out of Nebraska for the last five years um, and I just started uh, not even two months ago. Um, and I wish Cody were here and he he's must have gotten held up um, in another meeting. Because uh, he um, is one of the coordinators for the state variety trial, along with Amanda Easterly, and um, they really have the most up-to-date information on um, released varieties uh, from all of the breeding programs in the region that can help you make those uh, variety decisions. Um, I really encourage you to check out the state variety testing uh, program website, and we can probably even um, put that in the chat um, for you. I, I can uh, see if I can find that online. Um, and then, and you can go in there and explore all the data from last year's uh, state variety program, um, as well as, you know, I hope to see you at the field days and, and we can really address that question better there. Awesome. So I've not, not seen anything from Cody yet. Um, so with that, um, 
let's Ryan, if we could open this thing up to let the, the attendees uh, uh, speak if they'd like, if they have any questions for Catherine, David, or I, um, and open it up to just more of a more of a discussion um, with with everyone. So if anyone has a question, uh, please please ask now. Put it in the chat or Q and A, um, and uh, and we can we can open this thing up a little bit because there's got to be other concerns, thoughts out there uh, that uh, I think the group would like to like to hear. And while they're well, oh, do we have a question? Um, I am going to put the state variety testing program in the chat and they have um, both a box butte uh, rain fed and irrigated uh, site. So you can get really great information um, from that. All right, a question about spring wheat breeding. So um, that is part of the uh, state variety program. And I think right now they are testing lines from SDSU, um, I think NDSU, as well as a couple of the companies. And so that's something we're gonna keep an eye on. And um, I was previously up at Minnesota where um, I worked a little bit with the spring wheat breeding program there. So I have um, a little bit of experience with uh, that program. Um, we probably won't be doing a whole lot of spring wheat breeding right now within our program, um, where I really think the UNL uh, program can help is working with Amanda and Cody in the variety testing program to help identify um, other programs that they should talk to that might um, have varieties that work well in Nebraska. And we can also work on um, finding traits that are really key to um, the success of spring wheat in Nebraska. And we can work with our um, my spring wheat breeding uh, colleagues to help identify varieties that could work here. David, any any questions for Catherine? Sorry, Corey, I didn't didn't catch what you said. Oh, sorry, I was asking if you had any questions for Catherine. Um, no, not really. I guess you know, I um, when I was farming, I always kept up on the weed varieties, and anymore, I'm sorry to say, I've kind of uh, out of touch, out of touch in in, in that area and the. The varieties that I used to plant probably uh, been put on the ash heap some time ago. Okay. Uh, we got I know a there's a lot of clearfield wheat going in, but plant being planted out here. Yep, and that's um, another big focus of our breeding program is making sure we are releasing uh, clearfield varieties, and um, we also have a coaxium breeding program um, in the pipeline. So those varieties are a few years out because um, it's a very new program, but we're really excited by what we're seeing. I, I know that the, um, 
the Clearfield varieties, you know, for, for a while, uh, I mean, they were great for weed control for, for jointed goat grass and cheat grass uh, that you couldn't, were always a problem with wheat. Um, but the yields weren't there. But they've done uh, a tremendous job in those breeding programs to, to make those, uh, those yields, they've, they've, they've risen a lot in the Clearfield wheat. And a lot of times I think it's hard to tell the difference uh, at this point. Yeah, that's a great point. Whenever we're adding a new trait into the breeding program, our first release is probably with that trait is probably not going to match some of our older varieties because um, we really have to make sure that it is well adapted to our growing conditions. And, and it usually takes some time to do that. So um, usually the first couple generations might not be everything that we want, but we, we've got that trait in there. So that's really important to get those traits out to farmers as fast as we can. And then um, that's the job of the breeding program is to make sure that we catch up and, and are hitting all of those yield goals, those quality goals, um, all of the metrics that we need to hit in those varieties. Awesome. Uh, we've got a couple of questions coming in. Um, uh, we got one here. When is the best time to decide whether to abandon wheat for another spring planted crop? When will we have a better estimate of yield potential in wheat given current conditions and cold damage? Um, well, that's, uh, that's a good question. From, from the insurance standpoint, the way, the way we work those claims, these early claims is we go out and appraise the wheat as it is today. Um, I know one of my adjusters called me last week and, and said that an insured that he talked to was concerned about test weight issues at harvest time. And it's not something we can deal with until harvest time. We're, uh, nobody's got a crystal ball. We don't know what that wheat's going to be like next week, let alone what it's going to be like in July. So, um, you know, all we can do is look at the wheat today and, and give you your options, tell you what the appraisal is today. Uh, if you want to tear it up and plant another crop, um, that's certainly your, your, your prerogative to do that. Um, but I guess what I, would, what I would caution against is getting too excited about planting another crop because if you lost your wheat crop, it's because of drought. And... I have never found a crop that didn't need some moisture to, to grow. So, uh, you know, you might just be throwing, throwing good money after bad if you, if you go down that road. I know it's tempting and I know it's, uh, you know, our, our reaction usually is to do something, but sometimes, sometimes doing nothing will, will uh, be more advantageous to you, especially with the price uh, increase that we're seeing. Uh, it, it, uh, something to look hard at before you, before you start spending more money. The, the good side is if you do, you know, if we did get some moisture, your wheat crop is pretty iffy. You don't have a lot out there and you want to, and you want to tear it up and plant millet. I'm going to assume that millet's going to be pretty valuable again this year because of the, the continuing drought that we saw last year. So um, it's not, may not be a bad option if, if we have enough moisture to, to make it viable. Awesome. Thank you, David. 
Uh, we've got another question. Uh, given the weather, do you recommend adding more nitrogen at this point? And uh, also given that this uh, nitrogen has increased in price. And this, this looks like one maybe more for Cody, um, who wasn't able to join us today. Uh, but I, I would, uh, not knowing how the wheat's looking, um, you know, on at each individual location, um, that's going to be a, a timely, like David said, the price is up. Uh, it's worth more, but I, I don't see what it looks like at the, at the current point. Um, so that's, that's tough to answer. As a, as a producer, not, not from an insurance standpoint, but um, in a dry year, it's very easy to over over apply in and uh, cause that wheat to burn up faster than if you don't. So I, that's, I would approach that very cautiously. Excellent. Uh, we've got another one here to all of us. Uh, are wheat acres in Eastern Nebraska increasing? Not, not that I'm aware of. Catherine, I, you probably, probably might have a better feel for that than I do. I, um, in Nebraska, as far as what I see on the insurance side from my, my, my uh, counterparts back in the eastern part of the state, um, they see very, very few wheat, wheat policies back there. Yeah, I, I would say that um, we have gotten some increasing interest. Um, there's interest in thinking about how winter wheat can be used in um, alternate crop rotations um, and how that can benefit, um, you know, soil health, um, as well as break up some of the weed life cycles. Um, but I don't know that we're seeing significant increases at this time, though I, I will say that it, we do still um, include a, a um, active breeding for wheats that are going to do well in eastern Nebraska because that helps us access, um, you know, the markets in, in Kansas as well. So, so we do look at, at how well our wheat varieties are doing kind of for that whole, um, a little bit wetter uh, growing region. It's hard to convince people to grow $7 wheat, um, 100, 100 bushel $7 wheat on irrigated ground when they can grow 250 bushel $7 corn on irrigated ground. That's, that's a, that's a tough sell. Well, when's, when's corn hit seven bucks? Well, it's, I'm, I'm, it's about the same price as wheat. Uh, it's very close. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I sense that uh, very optimistic. <laughs> uh, the, the new crop corn contract is not quite that high. Um, where, where are we at? Uh, Five fifty six. But uh, hey, you know, you're saying there's hope. Yeah, uh, I was just going to look at the board here. Um, no, I, I get what you're saying. The economics on the board. The board is six. It's six forty one, and wheat's at six forty four. So that's current. The, I'm, I'm, I'm on I, new, I get it. I'm get on it. new crop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't. I didn't look that far ahead. I'm just saying. All things being equal, 
uh, if you can raise 200 bushels of a crop instead of 100 uh, at the same price or even within a dollar of each other. You're going to go to the other one. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the highest price. Well, there you go, Catherine. That's what you, that's what you, that's the, your yield increase. You need to know you, 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 you're competing with. Yep. And that's something that, that we hear pretty often. Um, we, we really are targeting, you know, high yielding wheats and wanting to maintain the quality um, and really looking at what, um, you know, identity preserved or what other markets we can help our growers access that will help um, improve that price. Awesome. Well, I don't see any more questions um, and we're getting close to the end. Um, I'm uh, uh, happy to uh, call it good here if we don't see get, get any more questions here um, from anyone. I think uh, might have one here. Gary, see your hands up. Can anyone hear that? No, I, I couldn't. Okay, uh, Gary, we can't we can't quite understand you. Uh, could you could you type it out maybe your your question? Or, or comment? Uh, I'm still getting a weird sound. We'll give you a little bit here, Gary, to, to type it out if possible. Uh, Yeah, it's still. I'm sorry, the internet connection is just not very good. Uh, I'm still getting just odd sounds. I would, I would uh, ask you there, Gary, if possible, maybe reach out to. Uh, each of us individually, if you had some someone you wanted to visit with. Um, for everyone else on here, I'd do the same. Um, and we, we thank you for joining today and, uh, um, and for the, the good discussion on wheat. Thank you. Yep, thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. This has been a special Nebraska Farmcast presentation of Extension Farm and Ranch Management in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. To view or listen to more archived webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications to guide your decision-making, visit farm.unl.edu.